Thanks for joining us back here on Bearcat Rewind today as we are talking with a future Northwest Missouri State M-Club Hall of Famer, part of the 2023 class. It is Tom Funk. Tom pitched for Northwest Missouri State Bearcat Baseball in the early 1980s. He was drafted by the Houston Astros, and uh, he is going into the M-Club Hall of Fame on homecoming this fall. Tom, thank you so much for the time joining us here on the podcast today, and congratulations on the induction. Oh, sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite an honor when you think about some of the players I've played with that aren't in yet, but uh, uh, and obviously a lot of players from the past. Uh, it, you know, it was a pretty good group of kids there in the 70s and 80s as far as uh, winning and, and, and the coaches we had and that, that kind of thing. So it was, it was it's a real honor. You know, a ton of success there for you personally, but also team-wise throughout that time as well. Um, but one of the great parts, I think, about really any Hall of Fame, but especially we're talking Northwest Missouri State and the M-Club here, getting that phone call from Andy Peterson and the, and the chance to find out that you're going into the Hall of Fame like this. What was that like? Did you see anything like this coming? and Did it blindside you at all? I, you know, be quite honest with you, there was a couple of times I was like, well, I didn't know if it was ever going to happen, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and I thought, see, I was only there three years uh, when I got drafted in my, after my junior year. And uh, so, yeah, I thought about it all the time. And then it then it just kind of, and this was early, you know, and probably too early. And then when it finally did happen, yes, I was, I was totally surprised. I, of course, I knew Andy uh, from being around Tyler. And, uh, and so when he called, I just, I just figured it was, you know, something about basketball or, you know, or something like that for some reason. And uh, I didn't think a thing about it, and then he said it, and, I, yeah, I was, I was quite surprised. You know, you think about it, and you pitched for three years for Northwest in the 80s, as you mentioned, um, but the career could have gone wildly different because drafted out of high school by the Baltimore Orioles in 1980. you ever kind of go back and think about that of, how things win and, and how you ended up with the Astros and Major League Baseball and winning conference titles at Northwest Missouri State and, and how that could have looked if you would have signed with the Orioles in 80. I And I, once you get into minor league ball, sometimes it is best to get in at a younger age. Um, but I was a 28th round pick. Um, no, excuse me. I was a 23rd round pick out of high school, which most high schoolers do not sign at that time. And, uh, and then later on, I thought, well, maybe it would have been a good choice and that kind of thing. But I kind of always knew about Northwest. Um, one of my best friends is a Sobe, and so uh, not Bill, but uh, his brother Gene. And Bill Sobe's in the Hall of Fame, and I was at Winnetonka shortly after Bill. And, um, and so... I knew I'd been up there. I've seen games. Um, I knew Coach Wasson somewhat, and I was recruited by some other people. But I, so I just thought at the time it was better to uh, go to school, do the three years, and see what happens again, and hopefully get uh, a little bit earlier round pick. But uh, yeah, it could have been it could have been drastically different. But uh, I was happy that I made that choice actually. You know, it works out when you, you look back in, in a couple conference titles, your name's all over the record books, and and really, you come in, a college pitcher, the MIAA is a tough conference. 
but 20 and 8 in league play when you were on campus here at Northwest Missouri State, two MIAA titles. Uh, did things just ratchet up when MIAA teams came to town? I mean, you're kind of pitching, thinking about maybe the majors down the line anyway, but the chance to win league titles, you guys won a couple of them there um, in your stint. Was that just something about, uh, you know, whether it was seeing UCM or whoever across the way that things got turned up a notch? Oh, yeah, it always got turned up against them. Um, one of the, and I talked about my best friend, Gene Sobey, back in those days, uh, still is today, but uh, we, and my girlfriend was up there at the time, who I wound up marrying, and she was from Winnetonka. And so my senior year, I was heading to Mar- Maryville quite a lot and not being recruited so much, but just showing up at games up there. And uh, and so I saw some of the battles that they were having with Central, and uh, it just continued on when I got there. Uh, it was really those both those teams, and I know some of the guys still today uh, off Central's team, but... Uh, now, there were classic battles, especially in the late 70s when I wasn't even there yet with, with Coach Wasserman. And then in 81, I guess it was, my freshman year, there was some pretty good battles then too. But, uh, yeah, it, it's obviously a rival. And quite honestly, it just seems like there's always a sport that Northwest and Central rival in. I mean, when Tyler was playing, Central was good. And so uh, in basketball. And uh, so, yeah, it just it, it just kind of continues with that school, it seems like. You know, for you personally, and we look at baseball, and the game has changed as we've gone through the years. But for yourself, you come to Maryville, a young lefty on the mound. You've major league aspirations. What was Tom Funk like when he was pitching? Were you nasty, a hard thrower? Were you more crafty? I mean, what was working for you out there? Uh, I, I threw hard for back in those days. Um didn't have much of a curveball. Had to be a little bit. I was pretty aggressive on some things, um, but probably the best thing were some of the guys around me. Uh, Dale Kisker and Bob Lord. Uh, I think Dale was a junior and Bob was a senior, and they kind of they kind of showed me how it should have been done and. And, and led me in the right direction. So the, I credit those two guys, besides Coach Wasson and Coach Johnson, th- those two guys really just took me under the wing a little bit because, yeah, I could pitch, but off the field, what do I do, and, you know, and, and that, that kind of thing. And so, uh, and how to work out what to do with it. You know, in high school, you don't, you work out, but it's not, it's not like college. Um, so, yeah, I credit those two for a lot of my early success success on how to face uh you know hitters that i've never faced before that were that good you know getting in and pitching and some that probably has to be just being thrown to the fire and experiencing certain situations but you mentioned the the off the field and training what you're supposed to be doing in certain situations and and some of that you probably could have picked up in the minors had you just signed right out of high school but to be able to go in and, and get to northwest and work alongside those guys and see how they operate feels like that's a big learning curve for a young kid to be able to have some guys that can kind of help mentor and allow them to get that leg up I mean did you feel like that was all right first time out I'm, I'm at a high school um, I'm on my own here in Maryville and, and finding some guys that you can kind of lean on a little bit uh, for some help there yeah it, it really helped because <laughs> my first start was against Florida Southern 
on a spring trip, and uh, I think I think Bobby and Dale got the first two games the day before, and then we played we played Florida Southern the second day, and you know they're already you know probably I don't know what they were, but something like eighteen and two or something already in the season, and we're we're setting at zero and zero or zero and I don't know what we what we did that first day, but uh, so yeah, it was. And I did okay, but I just, I just thought, yeah. But it was nice, you know. They were talking to me when I come off, uh, come off the field and stuff. And so, the, those kind of things were really great. Now in the minor leagues, you're right; it did turn because if I would have went out of high school, I remember those kids. I was in Auburn, New York, uh, my first year, and we had some high school kids. And a couple of them, and it's a whole different game because you're out on your own. You got to get an apartment. You got to do all that kind of stuff, and then try and play baseball. So it's it's a little difficult when you go in at 18. For sure, just kind of jumping in there with some grown men all around you, trying to figure it out. Uh, for you, one of the notes on that Hall of Fame press release that I, I really liked through a two-hit shutout as a sophomore to beat Southeast Missouri that clinched the program's third MIAA regular season title. Was there any way, if you look back on that game, could you have been pulled? I mean, was that one that you're like, I'm going the distance, I'm, I'm finishing this one off for us? I, yeah, I always tried, you know, that was my goal every year, to finish everything that I started. Um, and especially in college, it, just, it was one of the things that I really wanted to do Stay competitive through every inning, all the way through. Uh, it's funny how it changed in the minor leagues. I became a short reliever in the minor leagues, but uh, uh, but yes, I mean, I be aggressive, stay stay in tune with everything that's going on, and try and finish this game somehow. And because uh, back in those days, sometimes you didn't, you know, you you played a a weekday game against a non-con, and and then sometimes you play a maybe a Friday, Saturday, sometimes, and not very often. A lot of times it was just Saturday, Sunday. And so sometimes you'd only, you'd only pitch once a week, once a week. And so it was, you really wanted to stay out there. Well, you look at that mentality, it paid off. Your third still in program history, despite only playing three years at Northwest Missouri State with 18 complete games um, throughout. So going the distance, it worked for you. Um, from Northwest Missouri State, you had a summer there in 1982. You go pitch in the Cape Cod. And looking at that, that's a lot of guys that are major league prospects have the chance to go in there and kind of prove themselves, a lot of scouts there. How did you approach that? I mean, was that something that you put a chip on your shoulder of, hey, I'm a guy that was drafted, I went to a small school, and I'm going to prove myself against some D1 guys? Or, or how do you kind of look at that situation? Yeah, that was that was a real surprise uh, when Coach, Coach Johnson called me in the office and said that somebody had called from Chatham, Massachusetts, and and quite frankly, I knew there were college leagues, but it, you know, back in the 80s, no internet. You didn't know really about some of that stuff. And I, you know, I called them and I said, you know, I think I'll do this. And, and so I went up there and, and uh, but you're right. There was, wasn't very many Division two or Division three kids. There were some. Uh, they also have a league in Alaska. And, of course, now they've got leagues all over, but. Um, but yeah, I was quite surprised. I played with Kevin Seitzer and, uh, he, he, you know, Midwest guy, he's from Illinois. 
and uh, I actually drove there, and I drove him back and dropped him off on my way back home, and and we became friends because he got drafted by the Royals, of course, and and we played against each other in the minor leagues. He was in Charleston when I was in Asheville, and and uh, that Cape Cod league, I don't know what the percentages is, but I know at one time somebody said it was over ninety percent of the kids really get drafted there, and uh, between the Cape Cod League and probably the there was, the scout that drafted me was at that game you're talking about in Cape Girardeau, and I found out later, and so obviously both things really helped me as far as getting drafted. So uh, yeah, it was it was a great time, but uh, there was a lot of names in that in that '82 practically every year really up there in that league, but. Uh, but there were a lot of names that I played with. You know, they wound up in the big leagues and stayed a long, stayed a long time. I don't know if you've cashed in on it yet, but I feel like Kevin Seitzer owes you pretty big for driving him back home there in that summer of 82. So something to keep in mind if you need to cash in that favor. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a moment in, in whether this was, you know, SEMO or pitching against UCM or a big moment at Northwest or that summer in the Cape Cod where – you walked off the mound, and you thought to yourself, I belong. I'm going to get my shot in the big leagues. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu foundation. And Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at ClorindaHealth.com. Now back to this week's interview. Well, I don't, I don't know if I was ever thinking, I mean, yeah, it's always, it was always the dream. But I don't know, I, I really don't know if I can say, you know, I belong. I was always the other side. It was better for me to think, you know, that I had to go harder and that kind of thing to, uh, to, really, to really stay. I, yeah, as far as thinking I should be in the big leagues, you know, my first day in my big leagues, I'm sitting in the bullpen going, what am I doing here? <laughs> um, and so, it, you know, all of it was a little bit of a shock. I think sometimes I think it's better that way. And if you're too overconfident about some things, I that was never me. I was always one that I was aggressive, granted, but, but I didn't, I always leaned the other way so that I could, it, it just fired me up a little bit better back in those days. You, you've mentioned a couple times Tyler playing for Northwest Missouri State basketball, and of course, I'm sure folks kind of putting two and two together. Tyler Funk, your son, with uh, part of that big transition of Northwest Missouri State under Ben McCollum, of when they were kind of arriving on the national scene, he was a big part of that team and a foundational guy. Raising a competitor like that is that something that just kind of came natural to Tyler that it was just in the genes passed down from you or, or what was that like of playing ball in the backyard, playing basketball outside to where it was just kind of one of those things. He just was drawn to it. Well, Tyler was the middle one. I had three boys and Tyler was the middle one. And so I, I was fortunate to have all three boys play college sports. Uh, my oldest Tanner was an all American at Georgia college in baseball. Um, you know, Tyler did well at Northwest, and uh, my youngest son, Travis, played football at Pitt State. That that didn't go over real well with some of the <laughs> Northwest uh, fans, but uh, he went down and he was uh, he was a lineman, 
and uh, and he played at Pitt State. But uh, but yeah, Tyler was just aggressive from the get go. He was always the one. I mean, as far as defense, he was known for his defense, and he really got after people. And I don't know that I don't know that I did much. I may have said a few things here or there along the way, but but it came pretty it, it came pretty natural for him to be aggressive and and uh, you know to, to do as well as he could. And it came from Kearney High School, just down the road, where they have a, a great winning culture. I mean, playing for Gary Belcher, then coming to Northwest Missouri State for Ben McCollum, was that one thing that you kind of got those vibes from you of Northwest Missouri State, and he wanted to be a Bearcat, or is just kind of how recruiting fell that? It just worked out that he also came up here. Yeah, he, you know, he was getting letters, and he was getting. We went to see. And of course, back then he played football too, so he was he was looking at the football thing a little bit. I knew I knew it'd always be basketball, uh, but he but he was going to some schools for football recruiting too. And uh, but at the same time, I knew I just knew basketball was what what he was picked, and it just. I think it just fit right. I think McCollum and and them, the whole coaching staff at that time, Austin Meyer and everybody. Austin was at a lot of his games. Of course, he, of course, he was at a lot of his games because of Bill Starzel and, and Grant Kozad too. That wound up coming up there, um, and and I just think it just like you said, it just kind of felt right. One of his best buddies, Nick Madsen, was already was going to be there. He lived up there. He was a buddy of Tyler's way back in grade school in Kearney. And they moved to Maryville, and so the whole thing just kind of gelled, and and I, he just liked it. it. You know, you know the people up there. Obviously, it's just they welcome you. So, uh, and he fit right in. So it worked out. And we don't want to pick on Travis, but do you guys? You're both two-time MIAA champs. Will you wear your conference championship rings to like Christmas when everybody gets together? <laughs> yeah, I still have nerd nerd. In a certain place, and I got some minor league rings where we won some championships too. And uh, but as far as Northwest, but uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that was interesting time when <laughs> when Travis uh, because uh, Adam Doral was at our kitchen table talking to Travis. Uh, they didn't offer him other than a, a uh, preferred walk on, and uh, and then shortly after that's when he went to Pitt and. And the one thing that Travis really wanted was uh, uh, he's a plastic engineer, and so they had an engineering program at Pittsburgh State, so that's why he wanted to go down there too. So, uh, so it all worked out, I guess. Oh so, yeah. yeah, we took some rest, <laughs> took some rising a little bit when when Pitt would play Northwest, and we'd be in the stands with Pitt State. Shirts on, so. <laughs> yeah, you got you know you got to support. We understand. We get it. So. Right. Uh, <laughs> All right, Tom, before I let you go, we've got to dive into a little Major League Baseball, too. Um, your MLB debut, um, you've got a seven-run lead, you're in the bullpen. Tell me about the feeling of that moment. It, it's nine to, a 9-3 to three win for Houston over Philadelphia, and you get the chance to go in there and, and seal that win for Mike Scott, who was a guy that was an all-star that year, too. Um, what's going through your mind as, as you get the call to go out there on the mound? Well, I've always been pretty calm i mean other than being on the aggressive side but when i was pretty calm but when i went out to the mound that day in philly um i didn't throw a ball under six foot high <laughs> uh, i mean i was all over the place 
and I was kept thinking, why well, you know, what is going on here? Because people always say, well, you play whether you play at like Northwest, where you just have a few hundred sitting around there, or you have you're in Philadelphia in the Veterans Stadium, and and there's you know I don't know thirty thousand or whatever. You don't notice them that much, but still, it was it was still there, and and uh, I can't think of the catcher's name now, but the catcher was coming to plate, and uh, and uh, he hit the uh, Hit a home run off me, first pitch in the big leagues. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was a that was a welcome note, and uh, I did fine after that. Finished it off the next three hitters, but uh, but it was it, it it was adrenaline was really pumping that day. That's for sure. So I did have to go back and look it up. I've got John Russell listed as yes. as your first player yes. you faced. <laughs> yes, John Russell. Yep. Do yeah. you, you throw that and the ball goes out? Do you look in and like look at any veterans, or you just kind of like I, pretend that I'm by here by myself? No, I was just I don't know. I can't remember now. I just I just remember I was kind of stunned. You know, you just it's like good night. Can't get the first pitch by a guy. What are you going to do now? But uh, <laughs> well, but it, it was it was really good. So I mean, it's, it's such a cool experience too. I mean, you get to go out there and you talk about Veterans Stadium and. Um, Philadelphia, of course, some of the friendliest fans in the country, as everyone knows too. So, can't beat that. Oh, they were they they had a catwalk over the bullpen, and and they just yell at the bullpen players all the time. <laughs> constant. They never let up, and so it was. But oh, uh, so in in so 80s- my first game was probably the first game was my first game in the big leagues that that I didn't pitch. I had to get up and warm up, and that's when I go back to saying, like, what am I doing here? Because Nolan Ryan was on the mound against Floyd Yeomans, and both of them had thrown, I think, ten innings. I know they threw nine. And I was up, and another guy was up, Aurelio Lopez was up in the bullpen, and he went in, I think. But uh, uh, that's the part that you really notice. When you see exactly how good some of these guys are, and... uh, and and you're sitting there with them, that, and they're just like you. They're just they're just a baseball player, you know. <laughs> I mean that that is pretty wild to look down and you look out and you see these guys that you know, all drive to Kansas City and see maybe on a random day, but you're out there on the field in the dugout in the bullpen. I mean that's that's kind of surreal for you know a guy grows up, you go to Winnetonka High School, and all of a sudden you're in the bigs among among the best in the in the world. So, right. In, no, it was. It just—it was just incredible. In '86, you struck out a pair of guys. Can you name them? Mariano Duncan and uh, Tony Gwynn. Is it Tony Gwynn? No, he I've, grounded out. I think. I have Lynn Matuzek, but getting Tony Gwynn oh, yeah, to ground Lynn out. Ma- <laughs> I can't believe I had Lynn Matuzek because it was Monday Night Baseball, and uh, yeah. Uh, but the other one isn't is the other one uh, I can't think now. Those are the only two I jotted down just those first couple I rent and grabbed real quick. Yeah. But the other yeah, part Lynn, about after striking out Lynn Matuzek, do you remember what happened in the bottom half of the inning? I gave up uh three balls to the warning track. No, I was and, gonna <laughs> I was gonna say it was your first career at bat. Oh God! We don't want, no need to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> facing Bob Welch, 
you know, who threw 95 or better. And, and uh, I probably had, I don't know, I probably had less than 10 at-bats in the minor leagues in, well, at that time, four years. This was my fourth year I got called up. And no, I was not a hitter. There's a reason I was on the mound. So, uh, But, yeah, it's uh, – that was interesting, facing him. I did foul the last one off a little bit, but the catcher caught it. I barely tipped it, so uh, Just yeah, a, there was no there was no challenge there. You're an inch or two. But yeah, then I went I went back out, and and if you can go back and get the soundtrack, the video, Al Michaels says that, that I'd given up 900 feet <laughs> of outs, but I had a one two three inning, so. Hey, in the end, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's right, still an out. <laughs> that, that's pretty awesome. National TV, you're pitching to the majors. Um, I assume, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, best player faced, is it Tony Gwynn? Um, did, was there another Hall of Famer along the way that, that you got struck no, out? No, it would probably had... be Tony Gwynn. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was probably Tony Gwynn. Ozzie Smith, just because, you know, being in Kansas City, know all well about him, and faced him and uh steve garvey he faced him uh in la and and uh it was i mean you know you see those kind of guys up there and it's just it, it's a little different especially when you're young that's what's amazing about some of these guys adjusting so well that they do today when they're you know 20 years old and they're sitting there in the big leagues. are you do you watch majors very much right now yeah, yeah, I, you know, I still, I keep up with the Royals, always been a Royals fan. I mean, it's, I look at box scores every night, watch the games a lot of times, don't always watch the games, but especially in this transition period, obviously, that they're going through, but uh, don't follow, I follow Houston, you know, obviously they've had some good years, but uh, still follow the Royals quite a bit. What are your thoughts on the pitch clock, which was instituted this year? When I first heard about it, of course, being old school, you know, of course, I always want to blame the hitters. I mean, because I, I was <laughs> one to get back on the rubber. It wasn't that big a deal for me. But, uh, you know, I always thought the hitters took too much time stepping out of the box, adjusting their gloves, and doing all that stuff. After watching the games and seeing the clock when they started, I thought, yeah, I think this will work, actually. You know, and I it probably is a good thing. Um, I mean, there needed to be a way to speed the game up a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's as drastic as some people think, because there is some time. There's some times where the hitter does need to step out, re, you know, kind of rethink things. The pitcher needs to step off the mound. Uh the only rule I'm not in favor of, of of all the new rules is you can only throw to first base twice. And being a lefty, sometimes you, you throw over there for one move and then you have your so-called balk move that you can use sometimes that uh, get the guy, depending on who's running. But only to throw over there two times, I, I just don't, I don't think that really belongs. Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. Well, then to the other one, I guess, which has been for a couple of years, but the the three batter minimum, which does speed it up a little bit, but kind of like the strategy too of getting certain matchups and and you know, um, bring out right. a certain lefty for a lefty or whatever. Um, 
What do you think, too? They got the Pitchcom device? You could have been calling your own games out there. Yeah, I don't know if I would. I, yeah, that'd be that'd be strange. I don't know if I'd like that or not. It, it's a little different. Um, you know, you, of course, the catchers do it, and it's in their ear, and I don't know. It. I don't know if I. I don't know if I want to be that far advanced. Um, <laughs> well, of course, I. I the, the catchers really get to know you. I don't know why. Why that's such a big deal? Because there's really not that many shakeoffs or anything. And you know, the, the catcher knows you pretty well. He knows what you. He knows what you want to throw. Yeah, that one. That may be. Uh, I'm definitely too old now to to do something like that. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Tom, I appreciate your time. Let me get one more from you. Who's your pick to win the World Series? Oh, man. I, I'd like to see an underdog. I'd like to see the Orioles finish this off, you know? Because, mm-hmm. number one, I don't think they'll win it. But uh, but I, I just I like underdogs. Gives the Royals fans a little something to shoot for, that you know, how bad they were, how bad the Orioles were, then to come back and, and lead, that, lead that division off and on i mean that they're i mean that division is so stacked compared to the al central or you know or even the minnesota twins they're i i would always vote for the underdog as far as getting getting down there but dodgers obviously are good i mean they're gonna they're playing well houston's obviously playing well again so who knows i'm with you i'd love to see the orioles or the twins just man forget the record just get hot at the right time and see what happens so yeah exactly no that'd be great well, Tom, thank you so much for your time and chatting with me here today. Congratulations on everything throughout your career and your son's careers as well. And, of course, the upcoming M-Club Hall of Fame inductions will be homecoming weekend against Pittsburgh State's football game this year. So that'll right. work out all around. But uh, thanks so yeah. much, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? All right. Appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. Thanks again to Tom Funk joining us here on Bearcat Rewind as he is one of seven individuals going into the M-Club Hall of Fame this fall. Also two teams. Those other individuals include Dr. Bob Bolrichter, Matt Longacre, Adam Dorrell, Dave Tollefson, Kelly Greenlee, and Jachelle Sasser. Also the 2013 Northwest Missouri State football team and the 2013-14 Northwest men's tennis team. So some great honors across the board. It was great to talk with Tom a little bit about his experience as a student athlete here at Northwest Missouri State. That's going to wrap things up for us this week. You missed some of our previous episodes. They have included Colin McDonough, the Northwest SID, former football player Ryan Lessman. Last week we had MIAA Media Day content, so check all of that out. And please subscribe, rate, review the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We'll talk to you again next week.